Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. All right. Well, today we're starting a brand new series called How We Roll. I want to welcome those of you who join us online, wherever you're tuning in today. Thanks for being a part of what we're doing here today. Well, happy Buckeye Day. It's a good day. It's always a good day. It's always a better Sunday when the Buckeyes win, and so uh, we, it's always an answer to prayer. I hate late games more than anything. I hate 8 o'clock games because uh, it means all of you will be late, and I especially hate 8 o'clock losses because that means all of you won't come. And so uh, we're thankful for that today that the Buckeyes won yesterday. And, uh, you know, with Ryan, I thought I, I did know uh, about, you know, the, the decision that he has made with his life to uh, worship a false idol uh, in Michigan. Um, and I, I knew about this, and he, he does kind of have an excuse. He was born in the state up north. And, uh, but I, I really believe that the best way for us to display the grace of God on a weekly basis is allow Ryan to get up here and to have a microphone. You know, it just shows the grace of God that you can root for that team and still, you know, be a believer, really, be a Christian. Uh, and so we'll keep praying for him. We'll join me and pray for Ryan. And uh, I believe that, you know, eventually he will convert. We, we did have another person who was on our staff, another guy who was on our staff that was in the same boat as Ryan. And he no longer works here. Uh, and so uh, we'll see uh, how Ryan, uh, I, I truly believe he will convert from the dark side and come into the light, though. But today, I love Buckeye Day, one, because all of you never look more beautiful than when you wear Ohio State colors and gear, so you look lovely today. Thanks for participating and and getting your gear on for today. Some of you probably had to wash your shirt because you wore it yesterday, and that's a good thing, but we're glad that you're here. I love it also just because it's about team. I love team. I don't, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm very competitive. Uh, I grew up playing uh, football, basketball, and baseball, and so I, I love team sports. I love being on a team. I love uh, just what it means to, to accomplish a goal together. That's really what a team is. If you look up the definition, it's just two or more people who are working together to accomplish the same goal. But before you ever join a team, you got to know what you're joining, right? You want to know what you're doing. You want to know what the goal is. And so to join a team, you got to buy in to the vision of that team. The vision is the why. What is the goal? Obviously, in, in sports, you kind of know what the goal is. You want to win the game, and hopefully you want to win enough games where you can win a, a conference championship and then have the opportunity to play for a national championship. That's obviously the end goal uh, in athletics and sporting events is to to get to the win but then you have on a team you have the why but then you also have the values of the team which are the beliefs that's how you're going to accomplish the vision and so here at Adventure Church our goal is to always be very clear about what our vision is and what our values are so the vision is what hey this is our goal this is our why this is why we exist this is why we do what we do and the values that we have are the beliefs that we believe can help us accomplish our goal and help us win here at Adventure Church and so today and and over this series we're going to talk about how we roll at Adventure Church look at your neighbor and say this is how we roll this is how we roll. Man, you said it really, but no, you got to say it like, this is how we roll, all right? Like, you got to get into it a little bit. Like, this is how we 
roll at Adventure Church. And I want to say this. This is how we roll here. And just because other churches don't roll like us doesn't mean that, th- that we're better than them, okay? It doesn't mean that. It just means that this is authentic to who we are. This is what we believe God has called us to do. And there's a lot of different ways to accomplish the mission of God in our world. We just feel that this is what is true to us. It's true to our team. Hopefully it's true to you and how we can win when it comes to following Jesus. Our vision here has always been very simple, helping people discover new life in Christ. That's what we're all about. We want to help people who are far from God discover the life that God created them to live. Many of us are living in areas and communities where we have a lot of material things. We live in nice homes. We're able to drive nice cars. We've been blessed with good jobs. We've been blessed to live in a a good community with good schools. We have a lot of blessings in our life, and there's many people who are living a good life, but until the creation meets the creator, you don't know what life is truly about. You don't know what your purpose is, and so there's many people in our community who have plenty of stuff, who don't have needs per se, but they are longing to connect with their creator. They're longing to know why. They say the most two most important days of your life are the day that you were born, right? Gotta have that one. And the second one is the day you discover why. Hey, I know I've been born. I know that I'm alive, but now I know why I'm alive. And we believe that happens when the creation meets the creator. That's where purpose comes in. And so we're constantly pointing people to Jesus. And here at Adventure Church, if you're on our team, we have some values that help make that happen. And some of you are going to go, look how I've been to Welcome Day C before. I know the values. They're actually on banners out in the wall. Why do we have to, you know, talk about them again? We do it every year where we really focus in on our vision and what we believe God has called us to do because experts say that to really live something out, you have to be reminded of it every, at least every 28 days for an adult. Like you forget, you just drift off purpose. And as a church, we always have to make sure we're not drifting off mission, that we're always where we need to be. And us accomplishing our mission is dependent upon you, not me. It's dependent upon you because the vision is there, but the values is what we're going to look at today in the weeks to come are really what help us accomplish our vision. I want to lay the foundation of our beliefs, why we believe it, so that hopefully it will impact our behavior. So how many of you believe today that, I'm not saying you do this, that you believe that exercise is good for you? You just believe it. All right. Hopefully all of you, if you didn't raise your hand, Google it. It's good for you. I promise you. It is good for you, right? There's many benefits of exercise in our life. It releases endorphins. You know, obviously, it helps us burn calories. It helps us to maintain a, a, a weight that is good for us. How many of you believe that, that eating proper nutrition has benefits for your life, right? We all believe that. Okay. Now, how many of you do it? Don't raise your hand, okay? Because if you do, you're like, yeah, I actually do. Look at No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> But we believe that, but we don't always act on what we believe, right? And so when it comes to our health, right, believing makes no difference. It's doing that makes the difference, right? Are you following me? It's not what you believe. It's what you do with that belief. So if belief doesn't influence our behavior, it's ineffective, It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that it really has no power to bring about the benefits that that belief has 
on our life. And James, Jesus' brother, this is Jesus' brother, and I love the book of James. We did a whole series a couple summers ago called Jimmy uh, about the book of James because James is a straight shooter. And I think it's because he had some extra confidence that maybe some of the other writers of Scripture didn't have because Jesus was his brother. (laughs) He's like, this is my bro, man. You got a problem with it? Take it up with my bro, right? I don't know, but that's just how he is. So listen how James starts out his book. In in chapter 1, verse 22, he says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't just listen to the word. Listening doesn't do anything. Now, I I would beg to differ with my children. I just, that's the first step is trying to get them to listen. Then once they listen to actually do what they heard me say, right? It happens all the time with our kids, all the time. Just yesterday, kids are fighting, not fighting, playing, a little rougher than I Hey, guys, settle down. Quit spinning each other. Don't do that. Don't pull on that. Don't jump off that. Hey, quit that. One of you are going to get hurt. They don't listen, or they listen, but they don't do. And when they get hurt, I don't care. I'm like, I told you. <laughs> Suck it up. I don't care, you know, cry it out, do what you got to do. Dad, I'm bleeding, my finger's falling off. Put it back on. I don't know what to tell you. I I don't have a lot of sympathy for you because you didn't do what I told you to do. Hopefully God isn't that way with us. I know he has a lot more grace than me, but this is what James is saying. Don't just listen to the word, do what it says. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do right? Not blessed in what you believe, blessed in what you do with that belief is what makes the difference in your life. So James is saying the blessing of God doesn't come by hearing, doesn't come by listening, doesn't come by coming to church. It comes by doing what God says to do. That's the path to his blessing. He goes on in, verse, in the next chapter, chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, and he says this. So what good is it, dear brothers and sisters? He's talking to believers. He's talking to you and me. So what good is it if you say you have faith, you say you believe, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces, unless it moves us to action, unless it moves us to change our behaviors, he says it is dead and useless. And I don't think James is talking about our belief in Christ, okay? We believe in Jesus. It's only by our belief and our faith and our trust in Jesus that we can receive salvation. It's not by works that no man should boast. We're not saved by works. But what he's saying is, is the faith that you have put in Jesus becomes transformational. It becomes alive and beneficial to you when you put action behind it. You can be going to heaven, but go through hell to get there. Unless you do what it says, you're not going to see the power of God in in your life. He goes on in verse 19. He says, so you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. And then he gets a little, you know, maybe uh, overconfident here. He says, good for you. Good for you. You believe it. Good for you. Hey, you believe this? Yeah, I do. Good for you, man. Good for you, man. That's awesome. Good for you. Even the demons believe. Even they believe. 
and they tremble. We just sang the song. They tremble in terror at the name of Jesus. So he says the demons believe, but they put no action behind their belief. The demons believe, and, but they refuse to obey God. They listen, but they don't obey. The, the blessing comes through the obedience. They refuse to come under God's authority. So they believe, but it makes no difference for them because they refuse to come under his authority. He goes on in verse 20, he says, how foolish, how foolish could you be to believe and not act on that? Can't you see that faith without action, without good deeds is useless? He says, you fool. Look at your neighbor and say, I pity the fool. He says, I pity the fool who hears God's word, who knows the power that it brings, yet refuses to act on it. I pity that person, he says. How foolish could you be to know the truth and yet not act upon that truth? And as if we need more proof, he goes on. In verse 21, he says, do you remember that our ancestor Abraham, and to them this would be like their spiritual hero. This was Father Abraham, right? Had many sons. We were one of them. You know, like that, who, he's saying, hey, don't you guys remember Abraham? Of course we know Abraham. We've heard about Abraham our whole life. And he goes, well, Abraham was made right with God by his actions. When he, in obedience, offered his son Isaac on the altar. He says, so you see his faith and his actions, they came together. They worked together and his actions made his faith complete, made his faith beneficial. If you have a spiritual hero in your life, anyone who's made a difference in this world that you hold respect to, it wasn't what they believed, it was what they did upon that belief. That's why I tell people all the time, you can't just believe it, you have to believe it. You have to live it out. You gotta believe it enough where you take action and put it behind your beliefs. You see, our beliefs won't make any difference if they don't change our behavior. James even says, you may believe it, but do you really if it doesn't change the way you behave? If I told you that it was dangerous to do something, that this could cause cancer or that this could do this, and you continued to do it, do you really believe me? If it has that kind of power and impact. We're saying, and unfortunately, all of us, because we are flawed humans, struggle with this tension of what I believe and what I do. And even Paul wrote himself, I believe this, but I struggle to do it. And it's only the grace of God that gives us the, the ability and the, the opportunity to continue to try and try again to get this right. Because unfortunately, all of us believers here, you, you believe we don't always act on what we believe, do we? Right? You believe that it's better to forgive and than to hold bitterness against someone, but many of us still have bitterness towards someone who's hurt us in our life. And you know that Jesus taught that you should love and pray for your enemies, but there's no way you're ever going to pray for that person. No way you'll ever do it. We believe that we should follow Jesus and be baptized and, and, and to be obedient in, in being baptized, but many of us, we know that, we believe it, but nah, I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it. And we believe that we're to be generous and to serve and to love one another the way that God wants us to, but we don't always do that. You see, I think the problem is, is that many of us, we, we have to move from our belief of just being a concept in our head, a theory, that's a good idea, 
a concept in our head to a conviction in our heart. Where when that happens, when we get it from our head into our heart, that is when the belief can actually change our behaviors. Where we go, I don't just believe this anymore. I've seen it work. I know this works. And that belief moves from our head to a conviction in our heart. Then and only then will it change our behaviors. And listen, Jesus' goal for your life isn't just to believe. It's to act on what you believe. It's in doing what he says that fulfills his promise of giving you life and life to the full. It's the blessing comes, James said, it's tied to your obedience, to your willingness to act upon your belief. You see, private beliefs must become public behaviors to have any kind of impact in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Your faith, no matter how personal you want to make it, I promise you, isn't meant to be private. It can be personal, but it's not meant to be private. That's what baptism is all about. That's a public declaration of saying, I've decided. I'm following a new way. In obedience, I am going to follow Jesus. I am imperfect. I will fail. That is what grace is for. But I am now walking and moving in a different direction. I have a different set of beliefs that change the way I behave. I can't do what I used to do anymore because I don't believe that way anymore. Are you following me this morning? Your beliefs have to change your behavior to have any kind of power and impact in your life. So our beliefs, once they get into our heart, conviction, change our behavior, and behavior is what establishes culture. In any organization, team, family, whatever it is, it's beliefs, this is what we believe. These are our values. We act upon those beliefs. We create a behaviors within a group of people. And then those behaviors are what create the culture that we want to have. And it's been said that culture eats vision for lunch. So we can believe whatever we want as a church. Our vision, we can have a vision, we can have a mission. But unless you buy in to this team and begin to allow these beliefs that I'm going to talk about to change your behaviors, it will not impact our culture. And so that's why it's so important that we always pull back in, we get laser focused on what our goal is as a church, what our beliefs are, they're founded in biblical truth, and we believe that if you act on these beliefs, if you allow these beliefs to change your behavior, that it will change your life. And as you behave, so goes our culture. And if we have a culture of acceptance and loving people and and family that we want to have, that we do have as a church, we all have to buy in and begin to behave in alignment with our beliefs. So if you want to roll with Jesus, is what we believe, and you want to roll with us at Adventure Church, you got to buy into what we believe and allow it to influence your behavior. So today we're going to talk about these beliefs just for a moment, and then for the rest of the series, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper into each one of these things and really show you the the biblical foundation of why we do what we do and how we believe that these can be transformational in your life. So the first belief is this, is you can't outgive God. It's on our wall. It's in the lobby. All these are on the wall in the lobby. It's not just a cute cliche that 
that we like to have and that we put on our website, we put them there because we have to be reminded and we have to know what we believe. We believe you can't outgive God, so the behavior that would reflect that belief best is that we then invest our resources. And today, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. We just talked about this in our breathing room series when it came to creating breathing room and our finances. But I believe this. Jesus, God gave us Jesus. You can't outgive God. God so loved the world that he, he gave. He gave Jesus. For me, for you, while I was a sinner, while I was sinning against God, Jesus died in my place. The wrath of God had to be satisfied. And so Jesus was willing to become the final sacrifice for our sins. It's a foundational belief to, our, to being a Christian. Jesus died in my place. For me, for my mistakes, past, current, future, he died for that. And so there's no way I could ever repay him because there's nothing that I could give to repay Jesus for his life. But what I do is, is I don't have to die for him, but God says, you gotta live for him now. You now live for me. You now live for my ways. I can't outgive what he has given me. And we believe when we begin to invest our resources when it comes to finances, God says in his word, when you buy in financially into my kingdom, see that I won't bless you. See that I won't take you. Your blessing... Financially, is tied to your obedience. So we teach this here. You give first, you're generous first, you save second, you live on the rest. That's what we believe. That's the belief. I cannot give God. So I, I willingly behave differently. I used to keep all my resources for me. But now I invest in God's kingdom. I give first, I save second, I live on the rest. We believe that everyone can reach someone. We believe that here. Listen, I believe that you, man, you, sir, you can reach someone with the love of God. God has given you influence. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in accidents. I believe in God's providence. I believe in God's uh, uh, anointing and, and God's purpose. And that, listen, the, the house that you moved into and the neighborhood that you moved into, I knew, I believe God knew that. I believe that he put you there for a reason. And that neighbor that you don't like, maybe he put you there just for that person. But I believe that everyone, regardless of your background, regardless of the baggage that you have, regardless of the sin that you still struggle with, that God can use you to share his love and hope with someone who doesn't have any. I believe that. I believe there's at least one person in your life that God has given you influence with. That if you would be willing to act upon your belief that you could share the love of God with someone that could change their life. So that belief causes us to behave differently in the way that we live. And here as a church, we have to become a culture of people that are consistently inviting our friends to be a part of what God is doing. To say there's a place that I believe you can find hope. And we work really hard to create an atmosphere, an environment, and a culture here at Adventure Church that will welcome your friend, your neighbor. When I preach every week, I think about I'm talking to somebody who's coming for the first time. I'm going to give them an invitation to meet Jesus. And so I got to be crystal clear. I got to spend time in prayer. I got to be ready because you are entrusting me with that person. And so we are very serious about that. But if we believe that, that God can use us, we got to become people who extend invitations to others. In John 1, 40 through 42, it said Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother. So Jesus is calling all of his disciples and 
and he's building this team. And he calls Andrew and says, hey, come follow me. And Andrew says, yes. And then it says that he was Simon's brother. And one of these men who had heard that John said that follow Jesus, Andrew went to his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And then Jesus looks at Simon and says, your name is no longer going to be Simon. It's going to be Peter. And if you know anything about Simon's story, Peter was the one that Jesus chose to build his church upon. And if it wasn't for Peter, you and I would probably not be here. But I would say it goes even further. If it wasn't for Andrew, you and I would probably not be here. Because Andrew was willing to invite, not only invite, but to bring his brother to meet Jesus. And Jesus said, you're Peter, you're Petros, you're the rock. I'm going to build my church upon you. And that guy was the one who got up on the day of Pentecost and preached the gospel. And 3,000 people got saved. That was him. And so we believe biblically that the power of an invitation can change someone's life. Everyone can reach someone. We also believe that faith requires action. And we've talked about that through what James is teaching us and that life is better together. For the sake of time, I've combined these two values into one because they both require the same behavior, and that is that you get involved. So you want to sum it up here. I always tell people, you want to be in with us, you got to be invested, you got to be involved, and you got to invite others. That's what it means to be in with us. That's what it means to join our team. These are the values and the belief that change our behavior, that help us accomplish our mission of telling people who are far from God that he loves them and that when you meet your creator, your life will be changed. Our faith demands action, requires it from us. In Matthew 10, Jesus is telling his apostles, and it says he gives them these instructions, go to the Gentiles, that's you and me, or the Samaritans, or sorry, don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of God, of Israel's God's lost sheep, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons, give as freely as you received, and this was early on why Jesus was still alive, and then when, before he, when he came back from the dead, he commissioned them to go to all the world, to go to everyone now, now you just go to these people, And I love that he said, give as freely as you have received. That's what Jesus taught. As much as I've forgiven you, forgive others. As much as I've given to you, give to others. As much as I've served you, serve others. That is our mission here. That we become people who serve one another, who love one another, those who are in our family and those who have yet to come to it. But we believe your true purpose in life and the true path of fulfillment only comes when you serve and love others. And Jesus goes on in verse 39, he says, says, if you cling to your life, if you hold on to your way, to your beliefs, and don't allow it to impact your life, he goes, you're gonna lose it anyway. He says, but if you give it up for me, you'll find it. 
you'll find what life is all about. And we are a culture and we are a church. And I'm so thankful that many of you have bought into this and you serve and love one another well. I love the stories of when someone who's in a life group is sick and they're hurting and their life group shows up and brings meals and takes care of them and they're at the hospital and they're praying with them and their loved one dies and they're at the funeral. That is what life is supposed to be. That's what we believe is life is better together, that you can't get everything you need on a Sunday morning sitting in a row, that you gotta get out of a row and into a circle. That you gotta get in community. You can't just sit shoulder to shoulder. You gotta get face to face with people. That's how you will grow. That's how you will find encouragement. That's how you will find accountability in your life. So we believe that faith requires action, that life is better together, and it changes our behavior. It means we get involved. It means we make the time. I know you don't have the time. I know you don't have another night in your week. I know you're busy. I know your work is demanding. I know all of that, but I'm telling you, if you believe this, you make the time because you believe that this is really what life is all about. It's not about what I can get. It's not about how much I can make. It's not about what neighborhood. That is not what matters anymore. What matters is fulfilling the call of God on my life, and I'm not going to buy the lie of this world that says that that will fulfill me, that Jesus says, this is the path to blessing. I have come to give you life and life to the full. Now let me teach you what that life is. Now follow me. Walk in this way. And he says you will be blessed. But you have to walk in that way. Believing's not enough. You want to be blessed, you got to behave differently. And this isn't me talking. This is the word of God that is the power to transform your life. The band's going to come and we're going to close out today. But today I've tried to clarify the win. God's given me the opportunity to coach this amazing team. I love this team. I love serving with all of you. I love doing life with you. Justin, I thoroughly enjoy you. I've worked at churches where, I'll just be honest, I didn't really enjoy the people too much. I love you. I care about you. I'm giving my life to this thing called the local church. We're giving our life to this thing called Adventure Church. We believe in it with every fiber of our being. We believe that if people do this, that it will change their life. Again, other churches do it differently. They may flesh out their vision different than us, but I have seen this work. I've seen couples who were on the brink of divorce come in through these doors, meet people who weren't perfect but loved them, And they got involved and they gave their life to Christ and they got baptized and they started serving and they got in a life group and now their life has been transformed. They're fulfilled in their marriage. They're fulfilled in their life. They're thriving. I've seen it work and it breaks my heart when I see people go, "Mm, yeah, I believe. uh, eh. I don't know if I believe that much. And it's not because you're missing out on not being a part, it's because you're missing what God has for you. The blessing of God in your marriage comes from your obedience to love and serve one another, to, to invest in the, the blessing of God when it comes to your life comes when you are willing to invest and to give of your resources and your time. The blessing comes when you're willing to make the time to get out of a row and into a circle and get face to face and do life with people. 
I've seen it work and I know it'll work for you, but it can't just be something we believe. It can't just be a cute cliche that we hang on our wall and put on our website. If it's really gonna be transformational in your life and in our community, it's gonna be because everyone says, I'm in, I'm in. This is the goal, church. This is where we're going. This is where we'll always be going. It hasn't changed in five years. This is where we're going. And I want you to come with us. But in order for us to win, in order for us to move the ball down the field, in order for us to cross the goal line, is that you can't just know the goal. You got to play your role. You got to play your role. How awesome is it that God wants you to be on his team? You don't have to sit on the bench. I love watching Ohio State. I love watching college football. Yesterday, I had the privilege. Someone invited me to go to the game. I went to the game, and I came home. You know what I did when I got home? I watched more football. And I fell asleep watching Michigan lose. It was an amazing day. Woke up and said, this is the life. But I'll tell you this. As much as I love watching football, I love playing it more. Because there's nothing like being on the field with your teammates. Being in the trenches with them and accomplishing a goal together. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like winning with a team. And I'm just telling you, friends, our church is winning. God is doing something unique here. And it's not because of me. It's his sovereignty and that's it. And you have the opportunity. God has chosen you to be on his team. You can get on his team and be a part of something that's bigger than you. See, you can't. You can win individually, but you can't win as a team unless a group of people come together to accomplish a goal. Romans 12, four through five, Paul says this, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. Think of it through the lens of team. Just as our team has many different roles and people and positions, each, each position is special, it's unique, it has a function that brings it all together. He said, we are many parts of one body, we all belong together. I love when the huddle comes together on the football field and what's happening in that moment is they're going, here's the goal. This is the goal right now. We know the goal is to win the game. This is how we're going to win the game. These are the beliefs. This is the play that we're calling. The quarterback gets in. Everybody in the huddle has a different role. Those linemen will never touch the football unless it's fumbled, right? Never going to touch the football. But if you don't block, it doesn't matter. I can hand it to him, but if you don't block, it's not going to matter. Paul's saying everybody's role is important to the success of the, of the whole, of the whole team. And in Romans 12, he goes on, he lists out the different roles and the different positions on God's team. He says, in grace, God has given each of us different gifts and talents. Some of you are quarterbacks, some of you are linemen, some of you are receivers, some of you are in the trenches and you're playing defense. He says, but we've all been given different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness for others, do it gladly. Paul is saying, you have a gift, you have a role, but that role will not make a difference for the team unless you play it, unless you get in the game. You move from being a spectator to a participator, that you align yourself with the vision and then you act upon it. So you get an alignment, you get an agreement. I'm in, I believe this, I like this. 
Now I take action. And we do this all, not for ourselves, but for the glory of God. That's why we do it. For the cause of Jesus Christ. That's what our life is for now. I'm just telling you, if you have given your life to Jesus, he says your life is no longer your own. I bought it with my life. But I'm telling you, if you buy into my way, you'll be blessed. I know the world says something different. Don't buy the lie. Buy into this team. It is the path to life. It is the path to life to the full. And I promise you, I know it works. I've seen it work. And it'll work for you. If you're willing, not just to believe it, but to take action upon what you believe. To get it from your head into your heart. It'll change the way you live. It'll change your life. It could save your marriage. It'll change your family. It'll change the way you look at the world. It'll change the way you view everything. It's for his cause that we do it. Would you stand with me today? Father, we love you. We're so thankful for your grace this morning. We don't deserve it, but we're grateful for it. And I pray in this moment, God, that you would do only what you can do, that you would change our hearts, that you would show us your truth. God, we don't feel condemned today. We don't feel ashamed. God, we all have our struggles. We all have our areas that we're weak in, but I pray we will feel conviction, that we will get this in our heart, that there is a way that is better than our own, and it's yours. So God, we surrender to you, and we pray as we do that today, as we give our lives to your kingdom and to your cause in the world. God, may you do a work in us so you can do a work through us. In Jesus' name, amen.